Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast, and thanks for joining us. We hope this encourages you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on how God is actively moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, open up your Bibles with me to 1 John 2. And um, we're going to talk a little bit. It's only three verses, so for those of you who are worried that now I'm going to preach as long as I normally do, quit laughing. Some of y'all are thinking about it, and you know it. Don't lie in church. But this morning while you're turning there, chapter 2, verses verses 15 through 17, while you're turning there, I've got to confess to you guys something. Now, some of you are going to be tempted to get up and leave when I say this. I just got your attention. That was the point. Some of you are going to say amen, and others of you are going to be on the fence. But I do need to, I'm, I'm going to ask that if you're online and you're watching, before you take it out of context and cancel me, please hear the whole message, please, and everybody here. You guys ready for it? I believe there is a conspiracy going on in the world. There, I said it. I got it out. Some of y'all are like, amen. Some of you are like, dude, you are hustling right now. You're setting people up. I already know where you're going. I just read the passage. I do believe there are a group of people that are trying to overturn and destroy the world as we know it. Some know they're doing it, and some are just going along with what everybody else is saying, and they're just doing it. They don't even know why they do it. They just do it. And then when you ask them why they do it, they say, because he did it. And then you say, well, why did he do it? Well, because she did it. And then why did she do it? Well, and it's just this one big cycle. All right, let's look at verse 15. Y'all ready? We'll talk about that more in a minute. John says this. Now, if you don't, you're, this is your first time you had not been a part of this. The book of, of uh, John is a short little letter to a bunch of Christians everywhere. It was 99% written by John the Beloved, who was Jesus' fave. He had favorites. It's biblical. Um, and he says this, um, if, if you remember, John has this constant like habit of, he's not like Paul, he's not like this systematic theologian. He's just kind of like, blah, 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 blah. He's like all over the place. But he has these built-in litmus tests. Like if you really want to know where you stand with God, just read 1 John and it will cut to the chase. Now you're probably going to run to, want to run to the otters every two verses because it's kind of, it can be pretty tough. And if you're here this morning and you're unsaved, I would say this, you're going to hear John calling out to the sin issue that we all have. And by the way, if you're unsaved this morning and you're engaged in sin, and a bunch of bad stuff. Can I tell you this? That that's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is not to quit doing the bad stuff you're doing. Your issue is the issue that all of us have in here. It's our sin nature. It's our propensity to just do the wrong thing. To miss the mark. To buck up against God. To rebel and say, I can do it on my own. To the point of, for many of people in here, when they came to Christ, when they came to Christ, they tried to come on their own terms and do it on their own. They actually tried to clean their lives up before they came to Christ. And then they fell flat on their faces and realized that's not how it works. You are saved by grace alone. And it really, truly is as simple as this. You confess 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross and that God rose him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. So it's not your lifestyle that needs to be cleaned up first. It's your heart. So when you hear all this stuff, don't start thinking about particular things that you're doing if you're unsaved. Now, for those of you who call yourself Christians, we do need to be looking at particular things that we're doing that God is sanctifying out of us through this process of discipleship. But John says, don't, do not love the world or the things in the world. So he says, don't love what? Or the things in the world. So there's two things he's telling us not to love. Now, many of you are already confused. You're like, hold on, John 3.16, I learned it when I was a little kid. For God so loved the world. He's telling me to not love the world, but he loved the world. Well, that's, it's not the same thing. It's, it's a different kind of love. It's a different kind of world. In John 3.16, he was talking about humanity. He's talking about souls. When, when John here, the beloved, is talking about what we are not to love in this world, it's the system's and the ways and the beliefs that operate this world. In other words, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, there is a conspiracy. And the conspiracy is this, is that the ways of this world are completely in opposition to God's ways. One of the lies that I've got to wade through this morning is this, is that when you're saved, you're just sprinkling like a little Jesus on your current lifestyle and he makes you better. Another lie that I've got to wade through is that we're all the children of God. Another lie I've got to, to wade through is that people are inherently good. If you just give them time to show it, then I'm like, really? I don't know about y'all, but I, would you be okay with me plugging up a mental projector to your brain and us just going a live feed for about two weeks and showing everything that goes to your mind? Even when you do something really good, you might have a really sick motive for doing it. I'm just trying to preach to honest people this morning. I ain't even going to lie. So I have to wade through these lies because it's hard for us to sit here and really think. Here's, I want you to get a visual image. That in the world, there are more that are against God than there are more that are for God. And they're growing up into places of political power, into businesses, into entertainment. And then we drink and we drink and we drink and we drink and we can't figure out why we can't have what God says we can have. Now hear me out on this. He said, don't love the world or the things of this world. And if you still had not got the picture, this is what I need you to do. I need you to imagine... Satan, who does not have a pitchfork and horns. He's unbelievably handsome. He's unbelievably tricky. And he's a, the Bible says he's an angel of light. If you're looking for the ugly, you're looking in the wrong spot. He's, gone, he's good looking. His cohorts are good looking. They're talented. They're charismatic. Y'all ain't hearing me. <laughs> yeah, you are. I just wanted to say that. I heard a preacher say it one time. I just wanted to try it out. I'm going to have to try that more often. Y'all ain't hearing me, though. That's what he said. There we go, Bishop. I need you to imagine the enemy mounted on a horse and the majority of the world mounted on horses with full-blown weapons, and they're literally just trying to destroy the kingdom of God on this earth. We're up against the world 
the way the world does things, the way the world teaches us to bail out on things that God says we should never bail out on. The way the world right now is teaching us to cut people out of our lives that the, that, that the Bible teaches us is part of the bride of Christ and we should have a love that endures all things for those people. Can I just drop a little quick snippet on those of you who are struggling with people in your life? Wave at me. Yeah? And you, and you, and you got some haters and stuff like this? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you this. I need, y'all need to hear this. This is going to be good for you. Some of you, your whole lives, you were in survival mode. And the skills you learned in survival mode are not going to help you thrive in life. The cutting out and the protecting of your heart and the pushing people away when, when stuff get rubs, yes, that helped you for, survive, but it's not going to help you thrive. Open up God's word and see what he says, not what the world says when we cash something in every five years for a newer, younger model. We actually stick stuff out even when it's tough and even when it's hard. All right, so he says, do not love the world or the things in this world. One of the first examples we see of this in, is, it, well, you guys remember the Garden of Eden? Everybody knows that story, right? Most of you do, right? Adam, Eve, Eve eats of this fruit. She's not supposed to eat of it. Put that in your mind. Here we go. Now, when I read this, the first thing I, I, I think of is I, I look at it and I see the word love. I was like, well, I like some stuff in this world. I like ice cream. Actually, I love ice cream. And then I'm like, I know, and then I'm like, God, is this a thing of the world that I'm supposed to hate? And then Paula and Perry are sitting here, they own the gym that I go to, and they're like, yes, Daniel, it's not that difficult, yeah, <laughs> moderation, yeah. Do not love the world or the things in this world. So the question we have to stop right out of the gate and ask ourselves is, do we love the world and the things of the world? And how many of you would be honest enough to ask yourself? And, oh, do you, and don't lie to yourself when you answer. Because you know you're lying to yourself. It's going to mess with your brains, I know. How do I know if I love the world? I would just tell you real quick, check your calendar and you're going to find out what you love. Check your bank account and you're going to find out what you love. Your heart is directly tied to your wallet and your purse. I promise you. It's, it's a biblical litmus test. It's not what thus saith Daniel. It's what thus saith God. Check where your money goes and you're going to find out what you love. Check how you spend your time. That's what you love. Check your mind space. When you're on the lawnmower, what do you start thinking about? It's probably really close to something you love or to somebody you hate who's trying to destroy something that you love. Check the words coming out of your mouth. And you know this thing that is going around, it's, and y'all can tell I got a little personal vendetta against social media relationship advice. It comes out every once in a while. It says, when people speak, believe what they say. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever seen that before? Like, trust what they say, what they say. And then I'm sitting here thinking, no, when you speak, trust what's coming out of your mouth that is directly tied to something in your heart. Don't just quickly blow it away and say, I lost my cool or this happened and that happened, so that's why I did this. No, it's directly tied to what's in your heart. Butter melts in the sun. Why? 
Not because of the sun, because clay doesn't melt in the sun, it gets hard. Butter melts because of what it's made out of. Clay hardens because of what it's made out of. My response is my responsibility, and what comes out of my mouth is directly tied to something going on in my heart. And if you want to know what you love, check your calendar, check your bank account, check your mind space, and check the words that are coming out of your mouth. And by the way, John says, I want to remind you, do not love the world or the things in this world. And then he says this, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now this is a sobering truth we all must face. Do you pass the test here? And with what grade? Samira, so like, I'm loving this new 10-point scale thing they got going on because I'm barely just squeaking in right here. Are our affections leaning towards the things of this earth? Because you, you see what happens here. If anyone loves the world directly, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, is this, this telling me that I need to become a nun or a monk and go live in a monastery? One time, I'll, I'll for never forget, um, was hanging out with one of uh, my FCA friends, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He was telling me this story. They were having a Bible study, and this, this girl was really excited about the Lord, and she said, she said, the, the leader's name, and she said, listen, I've got this great idea. I don't think I've ever seen it happen. I think it could be really good. He said, well, what is it? She said, what if we buy this gigantic piece of land and we build this community of believers and we put like a fence around it? And then he was like, oh, hold on, that's called a cult. <laughs> that's called a cult. That's not what this is saying. That's not what this is saying because we know that Scripture tells us that we're supposed to be in this world but not of it. I'm the first person here, whether you believe it or not, I could live off-grid and be really happy. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I would love to just sit out in the woods all day and shoot stuff and then cook it. But I can't because I've been told that part of the purpose I have in this life is to be in this world but not let it get in me. I'm not isolated, I'm insulated. I can't bail out on this world. They might be against me, against God, against you, against the church, but we can't chuck deuces until God calls us home. And if you're wondering, have, have I been called to, to chunk deuces to the world yet? If you feel something, no. We're to be in this world, but not of this world. Because he said, for all that is in this world. Then he, I'm so glad John does this, because he says like really strong stuff. And then he moves on to verse 16, and, and he, he kind of like defines what he was saying. Oh, okay, how, okay this helps me now. Because there's, there's three things that John says that really help us put some specificities on loving the world. The first thing is, is, is this. Where is it? Oh, yeah. The desires of the flesh. But um, there's other versions that say lust, and that gets your attention better. The lust of the flesh, right? And then the second thing is, and we'll place that with lust, the lust of the eyes. And then the third thing is what? Can y'all see this? Oh, cool. The pride of life. Because literally everything in this world that we're supposed to hate can be placed into one of those three categories. It's either something that we're craving and desiring with our eyes because the fruit looks pleasant. 
Go back to Genesis, find every single time somebody messes up and gives into the ways of the world, and you're going to see these, strings in, these three things in operation. Go right now if you want to, if you don't trust me, or do it later. Look at what happened with Eve's temptation, and when she gave into the sin, the first thing that happened is she saw the fruit, and it looked pleasant. Then what happened? She saw the fruit, and she realized that it was good to eat. It appealed to her flesh. So it was pretty and it was purposeful. It fulfilled a longing and a desire she had in her flesh. And then if you look at the beginning of it, the third thing you see it appealing to the pride of life. Because why? Because Satan had told her that you will be like God. So we see these three things. So I think they're worth unpacking just a little bit. Let me remind you that Satan doesn't put something ugly, something unpleasing in his traps. Anybody ever had a mouse in your house? Raise your hand. The rest of you are lying. Everybody's had a mouse in the house. Y'all, you still got your church clothes on and your church face on right now. We've never had a mouse in our house. Everything's sealed perfectly. No bugs either. Why am I talking in an older British woman voice? I don't know, but I am. <laughs> I have a couple voices that come out at night for my kids. They like me to put them to bed with these different characters. I can't tell you that lady's name. <laughs> I might get canceled. Um, <laughs> so, remind you, like, if you're hunting for a mouse and you, make, you put these traps out, right, um, and none of you are going to be like, well, I think, I think I'll put a rock in it. Or a stick. That's a great idea. You keep hunting that mouse. No, the enemy, we're, we, you put something that appeals to something in, what, in the prey you're trying to catch. So don't be surprised when something that is really near and dear to your heart, Satan uses it as a temptation to get you to give in to the ways of the world. Many times with the lust of the eyes, we don't even know we want it until we see it. You didn't even know you wanted a new truck. Until you heard, and you saw them big old tires. You didn't even know that you would want a vacation home until you found out somebody else got one and they posted it on social media. Keep your successes to yourself. I'm kidding. That's really immature. No, we can celebrate with people. But just know this. That was a joke, by the way. Don't keep your successes to yourself. i got to quit joking so much. You didn't even know until she walked in with that new outfit. And for some, you didn't even know until she walked in. Hey, young man, let me give you a little hint. You need to learn the art of the eye bounce. Right? Pretty strong chance she walks by. This is going to happen, but then it needs to come right back this way. <laughs> I'm not messing it. Yeah, we're laughing about it, but guys, listen to me. We're laughing about it. It is kind of funny, right? It's kind of humorous because we have to laugh about things that are really real to us right now. Because if we didn't, we'd cry. So let me just take a minute real quick and get real serious with you. The lust of the eyes. Your eyeballs will draw you into the things and the ways of this world. 
And the newer, younger model will need maintenance soon too. You are fine with your church's worship team and your pastor until you tune in on live to a church that had an $80 million a year budget and then all of a sudden you can't worship anymore, right? It's because we see, that's not our church, I'm just warning you that it might happen. The lust of the eyes, it tries to draw us away from even something as significant, as important as the bride of Christ and his local church. He ain't playing games. I don't know if y'all came with your, with your little water pistols, but it ain't going to cut it. When you go out there and we get out of the, 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 the sacred space that we've created because we're here, little temples of God making this a big mega church right now, when we get out there in the world, they don't play by the same rules that we play by. That's why we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, be their friends, be with them. But we don't come into these close, tight-knit relationships because we're not playing by the same rules. And your eyes will draw you to some of that stuff. Teenagers, that's why I warn you all the time. If you can't handle the phone, give it to your parents. And I I challenge any parent who tells me their, their teenager is good with the phone and you hadn't checked it in a few weeks, I would tell you, you're dead wrong. They're not good with it. Check behind them. The lust of the eyes is real, y'all. My Paula Dean voice. <laughs> then he says, the lust of the flesh. Eve saw that the fruit looked delicious. It's this strong, innate desire that I just really want it. I gotta have it. And many times, even as believers... We will do whatever it takes to get our hands on what it is that we saw and desired, even if we have to lie still, go in debt. Can I say something real strong? John Hagee said it one time, so I'm just going to quote him, and then you can get mad at him. He said to his church one day, he said, some of y'all pulled up in your tithe money. (laughs) I heard it, and I said, um... I was eating something, I'm like, I actually am eating my tithe money, so <laughs> don't want that anymore. No, this is, this is a strong litmus test. We need, not just in the pulpit, we need it in our homes at the kitchen tables. We need strong preaching and teaching of God's Word. And when it doesn't align with our lives, we don't scramble the words around on the pages to try to make it fit who we are. Even when it's hard, even when it's tough, and even when it says, I'm working on it and I'm trying my best, I'm not there yet. We don't change the standard because we're not living it yet. I promise you this, what he started in you, he is going to finish. It is a promise that we have. But stay committed to the truth. When we give in to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, I'll tell you another little secret. Usually, we're the only people who don't see it. That's why it's so important to be in godly relationships. And then the pride of life. That whole fruit thing appealed to Eve because the enemy said she would be like God. It would help her gain wisdom. The pride of life, guys, 
that, that will lure us to the things in the world because the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, it gets us looking at the things we don't have, but the pride of life gets us becoming prideful about the things we do have and the things we have obtained. If you can't find the kingdom purpose in every single thing you do, you have done, and things you own, it's time to get rid of it. How, how is the purchase of a new vehicle right for this person and wrong for this person? Because the, this person has the kingdom of God attached all over it. And this person is merely just doing it so that they can brag or even quietly brag about what they've been able to obtain. It be, has become a status symbol. So in this case... It is, I can't sit up here and tell you it's wrong to have a vacation home. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you it's, it's wrong to have nice clothes or nice clothes. But you know your motive behind what you're doing. I don't. I'm not God. So we can't love the world or the things of this world. The pride of life, I'll tell you, it won't leave you alone. It'll be poking at you. You'll be tempted to be prideful about your home and what you've accomplished. You'll be tempted to be prideful about the money that you make at your job. Anybody ever been tempted to be prideful about, about your hustle? Right? Anybody, get, you get tempted to be prideful about how busy you are? You just can't wait to tell everybody how busy you are? That's probably not a badge that we should be sporting around in pride. It's probably something that we would like. Next time you, you talk to somebody and they say, they say, you say, how are you doing? They're like, well, I'm just real busy. You should say, well, why? Maybe we should reconsider our activities. We're going to be tempted to be, y'all ready for this one? Even prideful about our children. Especially when they're doing what we told them to do. But I will warn you, that's a two-edged sword. If you find your identity in your children's success, you're going to find your identity in their failure. I'm so proud, I'm so thankful that this church is, has pure religion in it. And I, I will say that, and I don't know what church you, you come from, but I can tell you that there's pure religion that visits the widows and the orphans that oozes through this church. There are so many adopted and fostered kids in this church. I can't even begin. Some of you don't even know. Some of, some, like our family, it's a little obvious. But in some families, you guys don't even know what's happening. But can I tell you this? The enemy will make you prideful about that. He'll have you walking in, looking at other people and be like, well, I don't know why they don't foster and adopt. I'm just a spiritual elite. Y'all, look, the enemy will take a God thing and pervert it and twist it and start festering pride in you. And the next thing you know, you just did a godly thing building the kingdom of God in a worldly way and the love of the Father is no longer in you. You don't think that happens? There were people who cast out demons and healed people in the name of Jesus, but Jesus still said, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. So when we feel that stuff coming on, it's not from God. It is from the world. 
Is that burning desire, I want to talk to some of you men, and I know you women struggle with this too, but I'm a dude, I'm not you. You men, real quick. Is that burning desire to be somebody and make something out of your life, is that really from the Lord? Or could it be that it's a temptation from the enemy to get us to buy in to the world's definition of success when God's definition of success is one word, obedience. And what he calls you to might not look like success in the eyes of this world. What he calls you to might look like a complete failure in the eyes of this world because you might not, you might not store up a giant 401k or mutual funds I'm getting distracted. Can you guys turn the whatever's beeping up? Y'all, is anybody else here besides me? Yeah, can you cut it off, please? Thank you. Love you guys. I want to say that again. I love you guys. It's not from the Father, but it is from the world. Now, I'll be quick to say when I read this, I was kind of like, all right, this sounds pretty scary. Like there's this gigantic worldly black vortex as soon as I walk outside of the the world is just going to like suck me right in. And honestly, <laughs> that might not be an understatement. Because you know you're going to get on Highway 70 and you're going to see all kinds of billboards and you're like, why they got to put that on a billboard for? Like that belongs in somebody's bedroom. Or you get on like, you, you're watching like a show and it's like a great little show. It's all historic and stuff. And the next thing you know, it turns into like full-blown porn. And you're like, what? This doesn't add to the show. Why did you have to use that word? That didn't make the show better. Guys, as, as we move forward, I'm not here to tell you that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. He could come back right now. He could have come back a two, couple seconds ago. But I am telling you, as we move forward, the Bible tells us that this stuff is going to get worse. The hearts of man are going to grow colder and colder and colder and colder. And that's not a quote from the Lord of the Rings. It's from God's Word. Men are going to burn and women are going to burn with unnatural affection towards each other. Read Romans 1. You can see it unfolding for our very eyes. But this is the way of the world. So the question is this morning, if you've looked inside your life and you're like, man, I, the, the ways of the world are inside of me, no doubt. And I'm asking you to like do an introspective search real fast and be real and be honest with yourself. What do I do? Well, I can tell you what you don't do. The way to squash the love of the world is not to squash the love of the world. Everything that makes no sense. The way to stop loving the world is not necessarily to go take a baseball bat to your new truck. It's not to move into a, a monastery or a community. Because <laughs> guess what's going to happen? You're going to take the world in with you. And y'all going to reestablish, if you're not, if your you're, you're, you're ears not to the chest of the Father, you're going to establish your own new worldly ways. It's real tempting to see this from a really negative perspective and, and to threaten everyone in here who's saved. If you don't love God more than you love the world, then the love of the Father's not in you. 
But what if we looked at it the other way around and we looked at it this, that the love of the world cannot coexist, can't coexist in the heart of someone who loves God. So how do we squash the love of the world? How do we, we, we get rid of this insatiable lust and desire for the things of this world? We don't just turn the world off. We run to the Father. Because when God's love is in us, there's not room for worldly love. This is what the song was about. All the striving and the bad habits and the things that we're trying to rid ourselves of. We're literally just quitting things and leaving the house unoccupied. Some of you know that reference. But when the house is unoccupied, you remember this, you are a vessel. You were meant to be filled. You are going to be filled with something. So when we just kick the bad habits and we just kick the ways of this world and we don't run to the Father, we have an empty vessel and the enemy comes back and he comes back stronger and bigger and badder than he ever did. So how do I stop loving the world? Start loving on the Lord. You're like, really? That's, all there, that's really all there is to it. It's not complicated. Some of the most, some of the deepest things in this world are just unbelievably simple. So the key is this. We just fall in love with the Lord all over again. We return back to our first love. So how do I leave the things of this world? I think when you look at this passage, which the first thing is we start looking at life through eternal lenses. Look at that last verse. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So the things that we love that are in this world, they ain't even going to be here forever anyways. Like the world is, I'm going to be honest with you, the world's overrated. Overrated. Completely overrated the things of this world are not as good as they appear it looks like it's made solid but it's cheap plastic and it's just gonna crack it's just gonna mess up so we leave the things of this world we start looking at life through an eternal lens ask yourself this question before you buy anything do anything say anything act on anything what, what, what effect is this going to have in 50 years, in 100 years, or when heaven is set up on this earth? There's a lot of activity that your pastor, things that I do that I'm at right now, I'm at this stage in my life of reconstruction. Like, I love to do a lot of stuff, and y'all know it. I like to hunt. I like to fix stuff. Jason Finneyworth is laughing at me because he knows I got it bad. I like pigs. I like cows. I like chickens. I also like horses, and I also want to travel. I love pastoring this church, but I love little businessy things too. I like to exercise. I like to eat. I like to exercise so I can eat. I like ice cream. There's a lot of things in this world that I love, but what I'm learning this week, by the way, this week with you, this week, not, I learned it five years ago and I'm here to depart my wisdom on you. No, I'm learning it in the process of going through the reconstruction of life to look at things with an eternal lens. What's the kingdom purpose in it? We were at the beach recently and one of my sons, the youngest one, you know his name, don't say it. I can tell the story if I don't say their names. And he had a little 
shovel, and he was building a castle. But he was building a castle like five feet from the waves. And he was just digging as hard as he could and like flinging dirt. I mean, he was going ham on it. And the wave would just come in and just literally wash away everything that he did. And so I sat there and watched him for a minute, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to learn. He didn't. You know what he did? He worked harder. I'm not playing. He was digging like a madman. He was just thinking, oh, yeah, I see that way you're going, but, you know, I mean, I can beat it. I'll just, if I just work a little bit harder. I'll just dig a little. How about if I'll get a bigger shovel? Hey, honey, I think uh, they got 0% interest on excavators. You think I could get one? <laughs> Caitlin's like, no. It's a real conversation we've had. She's had to turn me down many times. But he was just digging and digging, and literally, it was like the wave was coming in, and I'm over there like, wise dad, son, the Bible teaches us that we don't build our foundations on the sand. <laughs> I literally turned it into a moment, probably, it was give God, could have done it or not done it. But then, as I was preparing for this message, I was like thinking, God, how do I apply, right? Because when we study God's word, observation, interpretation, application, walk away with something that God's doing in your heart. And I'm studying this, and literally I'm like, God, I don't really know what to do. Like this, okay, don't love the world. Don't love the world. Like what do I do here? And God showed me, he's like, look, look. Why does he in that last verse, why does he remind you that the things of this world are passing away and the things of God don't pass away? He's saying put on your eternal goggles for once and quit building stuff that's just going to be washed away with this earth. So I'm sitting there studying, and I see little Roman digging in my mind, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I use that as a teaching moment for Roman, and God, you were using it as a teaching moment for me. This thing that I'm saying, it begins at salvation. I want to just take just two minutes and talk to you here. You're unsaved. You, you're not following the Lord. You've never committed your life to Christ. It is God's will that all of humanity would be saved. This is part of, you see it from Genesis to Revelation. My question today, this morning is, you know, this passage was to believers. But I think the unbeliever can get something from it too and see that everything that you do on this earth, in this earth, unless it's connected to a kingdom purpose, it's just going to wash away. Look, you're not going to be able to give God your current position at work when you stand before him in judgment. You're not going to be able to like, well, you know, but I, I did a really good job raising these kids. Or, you know, what? I, I mean, I flipped houses and cars like it was nothing. I did a really good job on this earth. The only thing he's going to say is, hey, are you prepared to deal with your sin? You prepared to deal with it. And you're either going to have to answer for it or Jesus is going to answer for it on your behalf. So to the unbeliever this morning, I'd say this. Run, to run from the world, it's real simple. Your first step is this, is to accept what Christ has done for you. Accept the will of God for your life. That is the only thing that is not going to pass away. So while you're sitting here for just a moment, if that's you, I really want you to if you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you and pulling at you, we're going to talk to you in just a minute. 
I know the Lord wants to save somebody here this morning or maybe somebody that's online. But then there's the rest of us that, you know, you're following Jesus. Okay, I'm putting on my eternal lenses. What's next? Fall, just fall in love with Jesus again. Right, Mr. Nelson? He was talking to our team about that this morning. We're, we're trying so hard to run from stuff. Why don't we just look at what we're running to and just press on to the finished work of the cross? How do we do that? We do that through worship, just like we did a few minutes ago. You guys can stand with me. We're going to worship a little bit more before we go. We do it through worship. We do it through our times of prayer. We go after the greater good that God has for us. We stop spending our time focusing on not loving the world. And we just, Brother Nelson, he, he leads our prayer movement at the church. He has this, he says this little saying, and I just love it. He says, just love on him real good. <laughs> just love on him real, real, real good. Just feast. And he says these words, and I feel like sometimes he's quoting a Shakespeare book because it's so... But it's, it's because he, he, he walks in it. And that's one of the things I want, I want to do more. I want to walk in that. To really just sit down and like feast on the goodness of God. To really spend some time, not like five minutes in passing, but some time loving on the Lord. And there is a guarantee that when the love of the Lord grows in your heart, the love of the world will shrink. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. So this morning, whether you're unsaved, turn your eyes to Jesus. If you're saved, turn your eyes to Jesus. We don't quit drinking from the fountain of the gospel. We don't graduate from it. We, we're not trying to quit things. We're running to what He has already done. We bow your head and close your eyes. If you're one of those here this morning, you, you're not saved. You're not following Jesus. You feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit showing you, geez, I'm a sinner, and I need a relationship with God. If that's you, will you slip up your hand real quick? Anybody, anywhere? I just want to pray with you. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. I just want to, anybody? Anybody online? Comment in the bar, send us a message. Well, I want to tell you this. You guys can look up here. The Bible says this. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart that God raised them from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. Salvation is a miracle. Okay, you might not like feel anything initially, but it's through faith that we believe that he, he's doing what he said he would do. Can you guys lead us in a song? And as we, just maybe for a few minutes, few more minutes, we've done it so much already. Can we just lift our hands? We hope that you have been encouraged today. And if you're looking for more information about who we are as a church, you can visit us online at Bethelchurch.info. Be sure to join us again next week as we continue to grow together in God's word.